All right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice a few things that he mentioned in there about how he says, he starts out saying there, brethren, you're not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And we understand that's talking about the day of the Lord that he's referring to there. But notice he's talking about this here 2,000 years ago. This applies today. This isn't something that just applies right before the rapture comes. This applies every day. It applies to us right now. And we're not in darkness. Okay? We understand what's going on. We understand how things are in this world. It says that we are children of light. We are children of the day. We are not of the night. We're not of the darkness. Okay? We are, we are you know, people of light. We are all about light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he said, ye are the light of the world. We're supposed to let our light shine. We know all these verses. And when I want, the title of my message tonight is shining bright in darkness, shining bright in darkness, because it's during times like we are in right now, where I believe we have our greatest opportunities as Christians to stand out and be a better witness and to be more effective. And so, you know, one thing we've seen a lot of wickedness, I believe in the last few weeks, you know, during this pandemic and, you know, it's a reminder of just how wicked our country is. It's we I said it's embarrassing. OK, I'm, I'm ashamed of how our country acts. I'm ashamed of how Christians act most of the time. You know, it's not a good thing. It's not something we we should be proud of. We should be ashamed of these things. And so while I expect wickedness from the world. I don't expect it from God's people. I don't expect the children of light to be running around like they are in darkness, like we're seeing going on in the world today. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in this, folks. I get it. We're children of light, but we still have the flesh. And if we're not careful, we can start acting just like the world. And so as Christians, we should always be watching. We should always be sober is what he says to do. And we ought to be looking for, we should be expecting things like we're seeing today. You know, we love studying the end times. And it's like people today, they love studying the end times like it's some, you know, terrible, like like some people like, you know, studying the times of persecution in the Roman days. You know, hey, it's exciting reading about all the martyrs from back then because we're not the ones suffering, right? And it's great thinking about all the, you know, Days that are to come, because we're not in those days right now. But when all of a sudden you find yourself maybe, you know, staring those things in the face, all of a sudden I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, maybe you want to rethink this a little bit. All right. All of a sudden, you know, your, your thinking kind of changes on that. But, you know, if we're really as hardcore as we act like we are, you know, we should kind of have an attitude of, hey, man, oh, maybe this thing's winding down. You know, hey, you know, we've been prepping for this thing for quite a while. And when I say prepping for it, I'm not talking about prepper prepping, all right? You know, spiritually prepping. Hey, Brother Mark preached a message on that a while back. Some of you might remember. That was really good. And, you know, we, and, and what, how, you know, how have we been prepping for these times? One of the ways we prep for these times is we've been trying to get people, you know, let's not run from persecution right now. You know, let's preach hard now. You know, let, if, if we're going to let the homos scare us, you know, what do we think we're going to do? When it really goes down and when it really gets ugly. You know, Brother Anthony is just starting to come here to church. You know, he was just asking me before service. He's, I guess, searching my name online or whatever. He's just looking at his phone. And he's like, by the time you got a lot of people that hate you, don't you? <laughs> that's exactly right. And, you know, uh, that's kind of, you know, one of the, and I, I don't look for people to go hating me. But at the same time, when that comes, we don't run from it. Why? Because... We're expecting to go through even more difficult days someday. And if we're going to let the footmen weary us, we know when the horsemen come, we're in trouble. So, you know, we've, you know, we should be ready to go. It's like a guy who's wanting to be a fighter. You know, maybe he wants to be a boxer or a UFC fighter, and he goes and he does all this training only to scream when he finally gets put in front of an opponent. Now, he should be ready to go. 
right? You know, he should have been, you know, he should know what he's up against a little bit because he's been doing practicing. He's been doing sparring. You know, he's taken some blows in the face. You know, he's, he knows how to actually deal with something. So, you know, we ought to be ready for these kind of things. So when this kind of stuff starts going down, and I believe we're going to see more and more of this kind of stuff happening, we ought to just be like, we already know what we're going to do. You know, we're ready for this. Hey, what are you all going to do when the earthquakes really get going? I guess we had a little one around here in Illinois just recently. I, I, I didn't feel it. But, you know, what are you going to do then? All right. What are you going to do whenever the, you know, fear mongers in the news media starts talking about all the earthquakes and how we're all just, you know, the what's the fault that goes through Illinois that's going to cause a big earthquake one of these days? I forgot what it is. Is that the one in Illinois? Yeah, the New Madrid fault. You know, when you start hearing all the stories about that, how many of you are just going to, you know, pack up and, you know, move out someplace that doesn't have any, you know, natural disasters? You know, I mean, if, that's going to be one of the things we're all going to be panicking pretty soon. And you know what? If we'll just pay more taxes, the government will be able to stop that, too. You know, if we'll just let them control our lives a little more, they'll be able to stop that, too. You know, that's coming. Okay, the Bible's prophesied all these things. We know it's coming. So... The way we walk as children of the light is when these things start happening, we're ready for this. This is what we've been expecting. We know how to handle it. We know how to act. We've been planning for this for a long time. And I'm not saying we're in the tribulation. I don't think we're in the tribulation. I, I, I don't think that at all. But either way, you know, if some Christians who are planning on being here for the tribulation are kind of telling me right now, they ain't planning on doing anything during the tribulation. You know, if this is all it's going to take to just freak you out and shut you down and just cause you to fear and hide, you know, you're, you're in trouble. If, if you're going to go and start acting like all the animals out there in the world and going fighting old ladies, you know, for a roll of toilet paper, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to be expecting much from you when it really goes down. But we are, we're children of the day. And so, you know, we're watching, we're ready, we're children of the light, we're awake. And we're sober during this type of thing. And, you know, and then in verse 9, he says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So because, you know, we know, you know, the only thing we should have to fear as children of God is our, our Heavenly Father. We should fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible says he's not appointed us to wrath. So while we might go through some stuff here on this earth, we know that God's not going to be after us. We know that he's not going to be the one trying to punish us, which is going to be really bad. And so because of that, you know, if all we have to fear is God, then we're, we're good as long as we're in God's will, aren't we? Even if we have to go through something that's bad. So notice, though, how he mentions in here that uh, we who are of the day, we're supposed to be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So what I want to do in this message, I want to get real specific on how we show faith, hope, and love during times like these. Okay, Because it's real easy to say, hey, just show faith, hope, and love. Right now we need people to show faith. Right now we need people to you know, be loving. We need to, we, uh, you need to have hope. But let's get, I want to get specific, especially at the end of this message, on really how we can do that. You know, how we can put that into practice and not just say these things as words. So let's look at faith for a little bit. All right, turn over to James chapter 2 and verse 14. Okay, now let me explain something to you about faith. All right, first off, you showing faith is not you posting scripture verses online about how you're not scared. Okay, it, you know, you showing faith is not you going around beating your chest, telling everybody how you're not scared. Okay, you showing faith, that is, that, you know, that's not you showing faith. Just going out there and proclaiming how much faith you have. Do you all understand that? That's the farthest thing from faith. Look what it says in James chapter 2 and verse 14. You know, I didn't even turn over there. Let me, I, I got to turn over there. But listen, faith, faith, it's not you using catchy slogans. You know, coming up with cool sayings that rhyme and things like that. And just talking about your faith. That's not what it is. Okay. It, you know, it's faith is it's not words, but it's actions. It says in Rome, faith two fourteen or James two fourteen. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? 
Can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yet a man may say, Thou hast faith. That's the guy on Facebook. All right? That's the guy on Facebook out there telling everybody how much faith he has. Yeah, he, a man may say thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So, now, and, and you all know this is not about salvation. This is about having faith. As Christians, as Christians, we should be people of faith. We should be people who show our faith, and therefore, we're going to have works. We're going to be actually doing things. We're not just going to be saying things. We're not just going to be posting things, saying words, giving verses. We're not going to go to people when they're struggling financially and then quoting verses to them about how God's going to provide. That's not faith right there. What faith is, if, for example, if you have faith that your neighbor will be taken care of, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take care of your neighbor. You are going to do it. That's what you do if you have faith. If you have faith that God will protect someone from danger, you will protect them from danger. That's what a person of faith does. You know, I don't, you know, who cares? Okay. And some, you know, you got people out there, they're just so spiritual. You know, they think they're more spiritual than everybody. They always go around with that weird smile on their face like they're high or something, you know, and, and acting like they're just, all better than everybody, always quoting verses, always quoting slogans, talking about how much faith they have, wearing a t-shirt that says faith on it. And they're the type of people, you can be out on the street getting mugged, and they'll stop and say a little prayer for you. <laughs> and then they'll walk away feeling good they have faith that God's going to protect you. You know what? You don't have faith in that situation. If you have faith, you'll actually put yourself out there, and you'll actually go do something and help that person. You know, it's one thing for you to just get up and say, I have faith that God's going to provide for you. But do you, hey, do you have enough faith for you to provide for them and then let God provide for you? Listen, if you're so spiritual, if you're so much better than everybody else, then you should know for sure that God's going to take care of you, especially if you're generous to that person. So you know what? Why don't you just get over yourself? Stop you know, making yourself feel good by running your mouth. You know, using your big, you know, your, your words and your slogans. And why don't you go provide for that person? Why don't you go pay for their meal? Why don't you go actually put yourself, why don't you sacrifice for that person? That's what a person does who actually has faith. If you have faith that God will provide, you will be the provider. And so one of the, you know, cause your faith, it's not revealed by a warm, fuzzy feeling that you have that no one else can feel. You understand that? People think that faith is this feeling that they have in their heart. That is not faith. Okay? You, you having faith, it's not you going out and it's like, you know what? I don't care what the statistics say. I don't care what the news media says. I got faith that I ain't getting sick in this whole thing. You know, bring it on, devil. I'm going to do what I need to do. Lord's going to take care of me. I, I've, got, I've got faith. I, I feel it deep down in my soul. Nothing bother me. I'm, I'm going to go to sleep tonight. I'm going to sleep like a baby, knowing God's going to take care of me through it all. You know, that, that, a faith, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling that you have. Okay? Because when the Bible talks about faith in Hebrews 11, it was when people like Abraham offered up his son Isaac. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us how he felt during that time, it told us what he did during that time. You know, when the Bible talks about Rahab in James chapter 2, it mentions Abraham in James chapter 2, it talks about how she put that scarlet cord in the window. And it doesn't tell us how she felt. I guarantee you Rahab probably feared what was going to happen to her if people found out. But you know what else Rahab feared? She feared God too. We know that she feared God. She was talking about the people, the inhabitants of the land were fainting because of them. So she was, I guarantee you, she was scared of the people of Jericho, but she was more scared of God. And you know what she did? While she had some bad feelings going on, she did have faith. She hid those spies. She helped them. She put that scarlet cord in the window. She got her family into the house. She did all the things they're supposed to do. When the Bible talks about Noah, you know, it doesn't talk about the feeling that Noah had. It talks about him building that ark. Go read Hebrews 11 and see where it talks about people's warm, fuzzy feelings. It doesn't talk about that. It talks about what they did 
And there's a lot of Christians today, a lot of self-proclaimed, just super faith people that just got all the spirituality. And you know what? You can never find them doing a thing for anybody, but you sure hear them talking about their faith. But they don't do anything. Therefore, they have no faith. James said, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. James said, I don't need to use words. I don't need to tell you I have faith. You're going to know I have faith when you see what I'm doing. And that's what we've got to do right now. We can't be out there proclaiming our faith to everyone, just telling out, you know, you know, the Lord's going to take care of us. No, let them see that in us. Every, our world is used to spiritual slogans, you know, scriptures being quoted in their face, and people acting like they've just got all this faith. But you know what they're not used to seeing? They're not used to seeing the works. They're not used to seeing people put some of these things in practice that we're going to talk about. I'm not going to get into these things yet. But understand, faith is it's you having works. Okay? All faith. Okay? Hear me out on this. All faith requires works. Nothing gets accomplished through faith without works, including our salvation. Thankfully, the works are Jesus' works on salvation. So, there, yeah, faith and works, even with salvation, go together. But thankfully for us, it's faith in His works. But you know, everything else, it's about faith in our works. You know, brother, I know the Lord's going to take care of you, and you're going to get fed. You're, you're, you're not going to go hungry because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you have faith in that. But, you know, if you have faith, the Lord's going to feed him. Why don't you give him some food? And that's what James, that's what James is talking about in James chapter 2. So you got to have the works. Right now, our world clearly has no faith. There's, there's no doubt about that. There, there is no faith in God. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's scared to death because they put their faith in the government. And if your faith's in the government, you know what? Be very scared. If your faith is in the stock market, if your faith is in money and things like that, be very scared right now. Be terrified. Because it's not looking good. If, if your faith is just in your physical condition, your physical, be scared. Because not only might you get the coronavirus, you might die of a car accident on the way out of here. You might get cancer. You know how many things there are that can kill you? Last thing you need to do is have faith in those things. But that's what everybody's trusting in today. And people wonder why there's all the mental health issues that we have. No, we need to see, they need to see what real faith is. And it's people who are doing the works that are helping others. And so the second thing we see in, uh, that was mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5, it mentions love also. Okay, Now understand with love. Love is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Everybody thinks that what it, that's what it is. People think today, you know, some guy sees a girl that he is attracted to, and he gets a warm, fuzzy feeling, and he thinks, I love that girl. You know, he's, he goes, and he sweet-talks that, that girl, and that girl gets a warm, fuzzy feeling inside her, and she thinks, I love that guy. But the truth is, anybody who's been married for any length of time at all can tell you that is not love. That, that's not love. That's a feeling. And feelings come and go. You know how many people there have been who had, I mean, as much feeling and emotion for each other as you could possibly have that later had the complete opposite? I mean, just hatred, fears, hatred. What happened? Feelings changed. They never had love. They, they never had real love. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. I, I've told people before too, whenever I've like been counseling young people before they're going to get married, one of the things I've often, I often will tell them is that you know, before I got married, or, I didn't love my wife. And you know, they kind of get like, a, like, like, what are you talking about? Now, now, I thought I did. Okay, I thought I did. And I think that I loved her as much as I was capable of loving her at that time. But the thing is, when you get married, as time goes, as you, you know, go through things together, as you, as you go through hard times, you know, that kind of thing grows to a level now where I look back at that time and I, when I remember back how it was before and I realize what I had then is nothing compared to what I have now. 
You know, and so, so you know, what I have now makes what I had back then doesn't even seem like love. You know, and where, you know, back then, before we got married, when I was what I thought was in love, you know, we could have broken up or something and I probably would have gotten over it. She wouldn't have, but I probably, you know, I, I, I probably would have, you know, I'd have been fine. But the thing is now, you know, I'm, I'm ruined forever. You know, if, if you know, if that, I can't, I can't even imagine that now. And it's because, you know, a lot's happened in the last almost 20 years, you know, and it, that kind of thing has grown. And the reason for that is because there's been a ton of works during that time. There's been there's been a ton of works. And the Bible says in First John three sixteen says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, how about that right there? You know, that's, that's one too for all these people who act like they love everybody. For all these preachers that are out there, they're like, you know, we love everybody. You know, we love the homos. We love this person. We love, no, you love in word. But understand, your words, your deeds are doing nothing for these people that you supposedly love. You say you love the people in your church, but you won't preach the truth to them, which is what it says that we ought to do here. You know, it says love in deed and in truth. And it's amazing, too, how people and preachers who don't preach on hate, pre- preachers who don't preach on hate, Hate are usually people who preach a lot of bad doctrine and at the same time talk about love the most. Isn't that interesting? I think you can, you can learn a lot about how someone really is okay, by the things that they ha- or where someone's lacking. People are usually, let me put it this way, people are usually lacking in the areas that they are constantly lifting themselves up in the most. Okay. You know, for example, you know, I, and I talk about this all the time, and it's true. Baptist preachers who talk about how independent they are usually aren't very independent. Yeah. Uh, that's all there is to it. Guys who always have to talk about how tough they are usually aren't very tough. It's just, that's just reality. It's just, they always have to try to reassure themselves because they're obviously lacking in that area. When you are not lacking in that area, you don't have to talk about that. That's why I've never talked about how tough I am. That's why I've never talked about how independent I am or how good looking I am. Or I don't need to talk about that stuff. All right. But people who are struggling in those areas have to talk about those things all the time. I don't know why everybody's laughing at me, but but you know because they're doing that. Okay, they're doing it in word, and we're not supposed to love. In word, but we're supposed to do it in deed and in truth. We're going to show it. You know why? Because we're like we're like God. And you know, whenever we get honest too, okay? Because for for example, you know, in reality, you know, we like to talk about hating the homos and things like that. But you know, what have I ever really done to any homos? Okay, besides hurting their feelings with my words. But you know, I've never beat one up. You know. I, you know, I don't want to get their blood on me. Uh, you know, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to get AIDS or anything. You know, I, I've never, I've never physically assaulted a homo. Um, I haven't verbally assaulted too many. I don't, I don't think. I don't know. I might have to think about that one. But you know, I, I, I just keep my distance from them. You know, I, I try everything I can to stay away from them. You know, to me, if I'm really hating them, I need to be like doing mean stuff. If loving. Is something that we do indeed, then I would think hating would be something we would do indeed too. And I haven't really done anything too mean to them. So I kind of feel like a hypocrite talking about hating them a little bit. But, you know, now, when I talk about hating them, though, I'm referring to the feelings that I have for them. Okay? I do have really bad feelings, you know, for homos. Okay? Um, when I saw, you know, our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, all right, who's not our mayor, I thought she looked like a lesbian when I saw her. And I just immediately just, <laughs> I got a bad feeling. All right? I got a really bad feeling when I saw that 
But, you know, at the same time, you know, I've never heard, I've never done anything. And the truth is, we got a lot of people today, they, when it comes to loving, they think because they just have a positive feeling that they're good people and that they're loving people. But who cares if you don't do anything for anybody? It's, it, you accomplish nothing with your love, and we've got, and everybody wants to talk about their love, but they don't want to do anything with it. That's not right. And so, just like faith requires action on our part, love also requires action. Because the reason people are panic shopping right now is because, in their mind, if they don't get to the food first, if they don't get to the toilet paper first, they're going to starve to death. Because, I mean, you know. Does anybody think here that, you know, if you run out of toilet paper, nobody here is going to share their toilet paper with you? Right? I'd like to think that nobody in this church would let anybody else in this church starve to death. I'd like to think nobody, I'd like to think I've got, you know, family that would help me. I've got friends that would help me. And even, even neighbors. Hey, we get along with our, our neighbors. I'd like to think that, you know, now I'm not going to just, you know, be a loser and depend on everybody else. You know, I'm going to try to do things myself, but you know, I don't really think I've got a lot to fear because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that love me. And, you know, I think I love a lot of people too. And I would actually be there to help people. But obviously most people don't feel that way. They're like, if I don't get, you know, to the food first, I'm going to starve to death. That's obviously what people are thinking. You know why? Because we're not a very loving society. We talk about love all the time, but people obviously don't love each other. They're obviously not looking out for each other. You know, the reason, you know, you know why everyone's buying toilet paper? I'm just going to just tell you right now, because everyone's buying toilet paper. They heard on the news, everybody's buying toilet paper. They saw it on social media, everybody's buying toilet paper. Well, I better do it too. Well, I'm not just doing it for me. I just want to make sure that all my friends and my family. Okay, so great. So you're like a public and you'll take care of your own. You know, you're going to go and yeah, you're just buying all these extra things so you can take care of the people you love. But I thought you were a loving person. You loved everybody. You know, if you really were loving, you know what you would do instead of going and just making sure you and everyone you like is taken care of. You would help stop the panic by just leaving one for the next person too, by not emptying out the shelves. Because you know, one of the ways people are spreading the panic too, is everybody's seeing all the pictures of all the empty shelves. You know, and I wasn't real worried about it. When I first heard about the toilet paper thing, I was in I was in the Rock Falls Walmart, and there was toilet paper everywhere. And I was like, "Good, we got a normal, reasonable town." But but then, the next day when I was in Sterling, it was gone. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Probably better get some toilet paper." <laughs> and but you know, if if I would have went in there to Sterling and I'd have seen there's still toilet paper there, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even felt the need to buy any. You know, we're doing these things out of panic and it's spreading. You know, when you go into a grocery store and you see an empty shelf, it freaks people out. So, you know, what we need to do, we need to think about the fact that, you know, we don't want to be freaking other people out. We, you know, let's leave some stuff for other people, too. Well, I, I got to take care of my family. OK, do you really need that much to take care of your family? I, I mean, I, I'm fine with doing that. But let's think about others, too, because we actually we actually love you know, if we would calm down, if we would be reasonable, that attitude would spread. It's panic that's spreading right now. It's panic. It's panic buying. Everybody knows that that's what it is. How about we don't contribute to it? How about we kind of do the opposite? And so whenever, because whenever the Bible too talks about God's love, it's not talking about a warm, fuzzy feeling inside God, but it's talking about his actions. Because you say, you know, God, you know, God's love, God isn't hate. But wait, whenever the Bible talks about God's love, it always brings up his actions. Let me just look at a few popular verses. First John 4.10, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. When it brings up God's love, it mentions God loved us. How? By sending us his son. Okay? God didn't just love us in word. He loved us in deed, and he sent his son. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Whenever God talks about love, he talks about actions. Why? Because there's going to be actions in that love. You're actually going to do something. You're not just going to be saying things. And the truth is, 
If God's love is Him sending His Son to pay for sins, then what would we call it when God's casting someone into hell? I mean, wouldn't we call that hate in that situation? When He's saying, depart from me? You know, that, you know so uh, understand, we see God doing both. We see God loving. We see God hating. And we, and we see that in word, God hating. But we also see it in actions too, which is even more important, which makes it more clear. So you need to have that faith, you need to have that love, and then also hope. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. All right, let's look at a few things here in 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's start reading in verse 1. It says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And then uh, go ahead and jump down to verse 9. Where it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So while there's plenty of bad things that could potentially happen to us, we know we don't need to fear. So while we go through, when we go through bad times, we do it with hope. Okay? What does that mean? It means we go through it with an expectation that good's going to come out of it. We, we go through it with the expectation that God's will is going to be done. We go with the expectation that the worst that could possibly happen to us is we die and we go to heaven. When it comes to the tribulation, okay, when it comes to the, uh, you know, the tribulation, when it comes to the day of the Lord, while we're going through all these terrible things and these terrible persecutions, we do it with the hope that Jesus Christ is about to come back and pull us out of here before His wrath is poured out in this world. As all these things are happening, that we can just see this is God warming us up and getting the world ready, the earth preparing itself for the wrath of God to begin being poured out on this earth. We go through all those things, and it brings us hope because we're like, we must be getting closer to our salvation. We must be getting closer to the return of Christ. That changes our attitude in these things. It changes our perspective on these things. And so if we, when we see world events get really bad, it should actually produce a joy that's in us thinking this thing could be winding down. Thinking, you know, in the end, we're going to win. You know, it ought to cause us to run a little faster, okay? You know, if you ever ran in a race before, if you ran in a, in a five, I never ran a marathon, a 10K is the longest competitive run that I've ever done. But, you know, when you get to the, that final lap and you know you're almost done, you know what you usually do? You usually just go a little harder, don't you? You run a little faster, you give it all you got, it, it gets you excited because you know you're almost done. And, you know, while we go through things in this world, it's easy to get weary and just kind of get tired of things. But, you know, when we see the day approaching, when we see that, hey, the the clock's winding down, we're just about done, we're just about out of here, you know what it's going to cause us to do? It's going to cause us to run a little harder. It's going to cause us to run a little faster. So all the things that we were doing before that were good, that were hard to maintain, you know, now we should be doing them even more. While we were so winning before, now that we're like, hey, you know what? We might not have a whole lot of opportunities left. It ought to cause us to just do it even more. While we were doing some good works before, and it was hard for us to do those good works, when we see things get more difficult, that tells us we might not have a whole lot of time left. So what do we do? We just do even more. Because we know we're just about, we know that we're just about done. That's what someone does who has hope. When things get difficult, they actually step it up a notch. They don't go and throw their principles out the window. You know what we see going on with people today? They're throwing their principles out the window. They say, you know, everybody would agree that you ought to be generous. When we go out sowing and we hear it all the time, what do you think you have to do to go to heaven? Well, be a good person, love other people, share, be kind. They'll say all these things. But what do they do? When things get tough, they throw it all out the window and it's every man for himself. You know why? Because their hope is in their works. 
Those of us whose hope is in Jesus Christ, who have that hope that He's going to return one of these days, when we see things getting tough, we're like, you know, let's step it up. Let's just do a little bit more for God because we don't have much time left. It's times like these that make the real Christians start to shine even more. Because we, we know we might not have a lot, a lot of opportunities left. And so while the ship is sinking, you know what we ought to do? We ought to take every advantage and every opportunity to gain some final rewards. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.15. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are great. Hey, do, do we really want to step up the soul winning? When things are good. Okay, now obviously we want to take advantage of the good times too. You know, thank God that we're not being persecuted for soul winning in our country. Thank God that it's legal to do those things. And, and I think we ought to take advantage of that. While it's easy, while it's legal, we ought to take advantage of that. But you know, when the Bible says to redeem the time, it's when the days are evil. When we see it get more difficult, that's when we're like, you know what? We better put some extra focus on this stuff. We better pay extra attention to these things. Why? Because the days are evil. It says in Romans twelve nineteen, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, how can we do this if there's no evil going on. So do you all understand, when we get an opportunity to do what Romans 12 is talking about, it's going to be during the difficult times. When everything is going good, and everything's great, and everybody's happy, you don't get that opportunity. When you're in the Christmas season, and you're going through the Starbucks drive-thru, and the person in front of you paid for your you know, drink, like that happens sometimes, when going through Starbucks, everybody's paying for the drink for the person behind them. You know, people do that when things are going good. They do that when they're in the Christmas spirit. Because everybody's got a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, that's when they're all donating to the food banks and, you know, donating to the Children's Miracle Network and, you know, buying presents for poor kids. And that, you know, everybody does that during the Christmas season when they've got their Christmas bonuses. You know, during that season when everyone's feeling good. But that's not your opportunity. You know what our opportunity is to shine? It's not in the Christmas season. It's during seasons like this right now. That's when we can actually shine. When everyone else is doing evil, when everyone else is being selfish, you know what we do? We're, give, we're giving. We're generous during that time. We're sacrificial during that time. When you're going and everybody's fighting for the toilet paper and you see that individual who didn't get there in time, you know, give them yours. That's what you ought to do. It's like, you know, it's just toilet paper. Here you go. You know, that, that's, that's your opportunity to do it. Okay? No, you know, nobody's impressed if you do that. When the shelves are full, okay, when, and when things are good, now is the time to do that. And we do that, why? Because we have hope. So what are you going to do if you don't have, have some of these things? Well, I've just got this hope that the Lord's going to take care of me. I've got, the, I've got the hope that God's going to bless me. And if I actually have hope in those things, I'm going to be, I'll be willing to do those things for other people. And I believe that's what God wants. But understand, you know, the days have to be evil for you to really have that opportunity. But that's often when we forget all this stuff. That's often when it all goes out the window, when times get tough, when we're going through a hard time, we forget all these things. It's so easy to talk about this stuff when things are good. You know, and sometimes, I've been there before, where it's like, you know, you hear a real stirring message on being giving and just thinking of others and looking for opportunities to let your light shine, and you're just, you're kind of looking like, man, you know, how, how can I do it? Because our country is just so blessed. But, you know, now's the chance, folks. You know, when you heard these messages like this before when everything was going good, you couldn't figure out what to do. You know what? Now you ought to know. Now we've got the chance. Now we've got the opportunity. And we need to take, it, we need to take advantage of it. So, you know, what, how, now how can we put these things in place? Because what we are supposed to be doing, we're supposed to have faith, love, and hope. All of these things require action. Okay? All these things... Us having the faith, love, and hope, that is what we do as children of light. This is how we shine bright in the darkness with faith, love, and hope. And don't go buy a t-shirt that says faith, hope, love, and hope. That's not how you show it. 
You do it with deed. Hopefully I've expressed that to you and showed that to you. You get it. If you don't have the actions, if you don't have the works, you have nothing. You don't have faith, love, and hope. You don't have any of that. So what are some things that we can do right now? Well, first off, again, I keep saying this. Be prepared to get out of your comfort zone. I'm a creature of habit, just like everybody else. I like having a routine. I mean, I'm so consistent in what I do. I wear the same clothes until they fall apart, and then I go to the store and I buy more just like it. That's that's what I do. Okay, I I don't like doing anything different. I've had the same, basically had the same hairdo since I was a teenager. All right. Why'd you change it at all? Because the hairline changed all by itself. That's why. Um, it wasn't my choice. I wish my hair looked just like it did back then. But, uh, you know, that said, I, I don't like changing things. But, you know, sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes things change. And we're required now to maybe do something we've never done before. We're required to do something in a way we've never done it before. Sometimes we're required to think. You know, and, and, and to adapt and try something and fail. You know, and, and that's not fun, but that's what people have to do. We've just got this attitude. You know, I, I'm blown away by this attitude that, you know, nothing is allowed to ever change. Okay. And we hear that a lot too, like with, uh, you know, for example, global warming and climate change. You know, they're always talking about this part of the world that's eventually going to be underwater and this is going to, but you know, do you realize that since the beginning of time, people have had to migrate and move and because things changed. Stuff happens. There's earthquakes, islands sink. You know, I mean, things happen where you literally have to pick up and move. It's like not, not in our day and age. You know, we're not going to do anything. You know, if weather changes, you know, we'll just pay more taxes and the politicians will fix it, right? That, you know, that, that's, that's what we think. But, you know, we've got to, sometimes we've got to realize we might have to adapt. Things got, might get really bad and, you know, famines take place, weather changes, something goes underwater. You know, everybody's thinking, you know, the government's got to do something to stop hurricanes so New Orleans doesn't go underwater. Well, you know, when you build a city below sea level that close to the ocean, stuff like that might happen sometimes. You don't like it. You might not want to build a city in a place like that. And if it starts ha- and it hasn't happened again in years... But if that were, if it did start happening every year, it's not time to raise taxes to fix it. You know what? It's time. It's time to move the city. It's time to get up and go somewhere else. And it's like nobody wants to change anything. We got to be willing to do that. And so what we need to do, we've got to look for ways to help others and be generous. So we have a times are hard right now. Exactly. And that's why we need to be generous. This is actually when we have the opportunity. This is when you actually have the opportunity to sacrifice when things are tough. We might be in for some hard times financially, but, you know, the rules don't go out the window during difficult times. We needed God taking care of us when things were good, and we need him taking care of us when we're bad. So, you know, what we do we continue being generous. You know, a proper Christian prepper should be prepping to prep for others. That ought to just be a part of your plan. Okay. Whenever you're on there and you're, you're hoarding food in your basement, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. All right, I'm all for prepping. But you know what? Part of your plan should be, I'm going to take care of somebody else too. That, that ought to be your attitude because I want to be a blessing to other people. You know? And so, you know, if you are, if you're going out there shopping for things or whatever, you know, think about other people. But you know what? Sometimes we just need to think about the next person who comes up behind us shopping too. You know, think about those people too. Think about the strangers, the people that you don't know. Think about that kind of stuff. You know, be aware of the needs of other people, okay? And not, including emotional needs. People need, understand, people need somebody to talk to. Think about the elderly. I've been talking about that. You don't want to be visiting them right now, okay? But at the same time, elderly people need company. They, they need it greatly. So you know what you do? You call them up. You know, it, it makes them feel good when people are checking up on them. It tells them, somebody's looking out for me. You know, I don't want the elderly people that are in our church, you know, that are probably watching a lot of news right now, thinking, you know, I'm going to die. I'm not going to have what I need. You know what? 
I've done it, and I know other people from the church have done it. They've called them up. Hey, do you need anything? Why are we doing it? You know why? They're taking care of themselves just fine. I haven't had to get anything for them. But you know what? I want, I want us doing that because I want them to know I've got a bunch of people looking out for me. And no matter how much CNN I watch, I want them to feel I'm going to be taken care of. Say, so, well, you know, they ought to have faith that God's going to take care of them. Well, you know what? I have faith that God's going to take care of them. And because I have faith, I'm going to show them. I'm going to let them know. And I think they have faith too. But you know what? I have faith. I, you know, it, whether they have it or not doesn't matter. I have faith. And that needs to be your attitude. You have faith. Check up on Check up on your neighbors. You know, pay attention to what's going on with them. Find out if they need anything. You know, find someone that you can check up on, look out for, you know, be asking, be paying attention. You know, we're, we're so self-centered, we're not good at this. Okay? It's just not a part of our culture to just be paying attention to other people and, and looking out for the needs of other people. We've got to do that. And I've caught myself before, just missing opportunities to just even do something polite, you know, do something, you know, just, you know, watch out for those things. And I, I think that's something we, we probably preach a whole message on that. Just, you know, when you're standing in line at Walmart, okay, and you can ask my wife, every line is a race for me. Okay? Every line is a race. And she gets mad at me at McDonald's. They've got the two lanes now to drive through. And as soon as I, man, it, it's a race. And I get up there, I order my food as fast as I can. I take off as fast as I can because I want to get in that person that's in the next lane. And that's just how I am. I, I can't help it. I'm just always, I was born early. I'm always early for everything. I'm just always in a hurry. I was in a hurry to be, I just, it's, it's who I am. But you know what? Be willing sometimes. You got an elderly person. Somebody maybe has a tough time getting around. Let them cut in front of you in line. You know, when, when you're at Walmart. You know, just pay attention. If you see, you know, some old lady in the Walmart parking lot, you know, trying to lift a bag of softener salt into her car, you know, go help her out. You know, you got to, but you got to be watching for stuff like that. And the thing is, especially right now, when people are just being very self-centered and are just looking out for themselves, this is when we have an opportunity. And when all of a sudden, while everyone's being selfish and greedy, they see you do something like that, it will be more noticeable now. Y'all understand that? Doing some of these things I'm talking about, most of the time, it wouldn't be real noticeable, but it would now. Because people are acting like animals. So you take advantage of that. Because it is. It's a little thing that could make a big impact, but we've got to be paying attention. You know, maintain a joyful and peaceful spirit during times like this. You know, spread positive emotion. You know, when you're talking to folks. And, and don't, don't be this, the super spiritual talker again. Oh, have you seen what's going on in the news? I'm not worried at all. The Lord's going to take care of me, you know. I've got peace that passes all understanding. You know, you don't need to just go quoting scriptures in that time and, and act in that way. No, display it. You know, display it, show it, you know, have a good attitude about it. Be in a good mood. Have a cheerful countenance. You know, act like nothing's wrong. Okay? You know, when you go shopping, and, and, and you've seen it, you know, we, we all know body language. The other day when we were out soloing, I saw a lady, she was like way across the street, and she, I, I guess she was from the side, and she was, she was like this, but I, I didn't hear, I was like, is she, I, I could tell she was like yelling at somebody. I couldn't hear it, but I could tell by the way her body was that she was like yelling, and I'm like, what in the world? She, and, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, based on her body language, I'm like, why would she be yelling at somebody like that right now? And then, I, and then I'm, I'm kind of watching, and then I noticed she was yelling at her dog that was in another yard. I can tell just by the body language that she's like really angry or just not in body language, but yeah, just by yeah, how she was standing there. And the thing is, you know, people, they, they pick up on those things. And when you are, when you're just, when you're shopping, if you notice how people are just walking, you know, they're walking a little faster in the store right now, aren't they? You know, you've all, you've all seen that. We, we, you know, we, we see that kind of thing and we often pick up on it and we start doing it too. You know what? We need to be the ones that are relaxed. We need to be the ones that are a good move. We need to be the people that are stopping and talking to other people and just, you know, like nothing's wrong. That kind of thing, it gets around. We don't need to be contributing to this. And we need, we need, and then also we need to be ready and we need to be waiting for witnessing opportunities. 
Because we're going to get them. Folks, we've, got, we've been getting a lot of calls here at the churches about different things. People kind of ask about stuff. You know, and I've, I've been using these as witnessing opportunities. You know, and a lot, some of the people that called, they were already saved, but you know, I'm, I'm checking. When people are calling the church here for kind of random things, you know, it kind of tells me that maybe they're looking for something or just, you know, looking for assurance, reassurance or something. Take advantage of that. You know, I've, I've had a lot of people just when I'm out and about talking to me. You know, and a lot, and a lot of it's because people are interested in what's going on. A lot of people are worried. But you know what? Take this opportunity. Because right now, they'd probably be more likely to hear what we have to say. You know, while people are thinking about these things. So understand that, you know, as Christians, if we really all are, if we're, if we're really all about, you know, giving the gospel, being a good witness, and all that kind of stuff, we need to understand that this is the type of environment where we thrive. But we must stay focused because. Are you hearing anything in the news about doing any of this stuff we're talking about tonight? No, we're being told to do everything opposite of this. Right now, more than ever, is when we need to step up our game and we need to redeem this time because the days are evil. And the same things that, you know, if we would do the same things today that we did a month ago, they'll be more impactful today. But if we watch too much news and get caught up in this stuff, we're going to be less likely to do these things. No, we need to be doing it more now. And I think that's one of the reasons, too, when it talks about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, it says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As things are winding down, let's give it our all. Let's, let's kick it up a notch. Let's kick up the good works a notch. Let's kick up the faith, the love, and the hope. Let's kick it all up a notch right now. Let's take advantage of this opportunity to see... Great things happen for God to see many people saved. And so I hope you'll take these things. I hope you'll meditate on these things and be watching. Be ready. We're supposed to watch and be sober. What are we, what are we watching for? Are we, are we just staring up in the sky waiting for the rapture to come? Is that what God wants to know? When the Bible talks about watching, it's talking about basically being ready in our actions. We want the Lord, to when He comes back, we don't want Him to find us sleeping. We want Him to find us working, doing, doing the work of the Lord. So, you know, us watching and being sober, that's good. That means we're doing all these works because we see Lord's about to come back. Lord's about to come back. Let's get something done. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. I pray, Lord, you'll help us to take these things to heart. Help us, Lord, to remember faith, love, hope. These are not feelings. These are not just emotions, Lord. These require action. And, Lord, I pray that we will put these things to practice, Lord. I I believe we do have a, a church that does a lot of good works. But, Lord, I pray right now. That while uh, the world and the devil is doing everything they can to get us sidetracked and distracted from these things, Lord, I pray you'll help us to just sober up and be watchful and just double up on these good works. Help us to take advantage of these difficult times, Lord, not for our benefit, but for your benefit and for the benefit of others so they can be saved. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's.